Hello out there, all you Wahoo maniacs, and welcome back to another edition of Tribe Talk. Tonight, the Thunderous Wizard and the Irate Lover take you to Cleveland, the city of lights, the city of magic, as we go into Major League Two. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. So we're back on uh, Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. I am generally known as the Thunderous Wizard, but tonight I'm Black Hammer. Hold on. We didn't discuss which one would be Black Hammer and who'd be White Lightning. You're clearly White Lightning. Your fucking name is the Thunderous Wizard. You're obviously White Lightning. But you have facial hair, and so does Jesse the Body Ventura. I'm Irish, and you are five shades whiter than me. He's particularly hairy-chested. Also, more a you thing, so I figure like you All have right. to well, be. Well, I guess I'm. Hey, irate, Black Hammer! I'm the irate lover, and my pseudonym on this one will be Black Hammer. Wait a minute, no, I'm Black Snap, Hammer. Took it, dibs. Fine, I'm White Lightning. Oh, <laughs> oh my! And that is the least racist thing you're going to hear in this podcast. Well, that's what he does when he jumps. Uh, well, he's like <laughs> I don't know. You got to see the trailer for the movie. I would watch that movie a hundred times. That was one of my questions, was how many times would you see Black Hammer and White Lightning, these guys play for keeps That's in, another good in the cinema? That's a segment we need is movies inside of movies, like meta movies that you'd actually watch. I'd watch the shit. Oh, out of I, would, I would love to see that movie. It's like uh, all the McBain movies and The Simpsons. I, I mean, but this takes us back to Jack Slater 4, like... Jack Slater 4 would have been a totally badass movie. But see, that's... I don't know if that'll work because it's the same character inside the movie that the character is about. It's kind I'm of I'm the dude playing the dude disguised as another dude. Exactly. So Major League Two came out in 1994. It's a sequel to... Stop me if you've heard this. Major League One. I don't think it's called Major League One. No, it's just Major League. <laughs> and it's a far superior film to Major League Two. Okay. I'm going to immediately disagree with you. As I said on the phone with you while you were putting your children to sleep so we could record this podcast, we it's called Hops and Box Office Flops, the name of this podcast. The premise being we're watching bad movies, either based on review or the amount of money they made. I had no problem with this movie. I laughed a lot. It's a comedy. It's solid. I don't it's, know. It's a movie that thinks it's funny. And it has occasional moments where there is laughter. Uh, but mostly it's just like, hey, this is the same movie as Major League, except it's not nearly as good. And Charlie Sheen is now the central character. Where really the central character in the first one is Behringer. And he's this guy at the end of his career. And he just wants one last chance to win. And he's on this team that's basically meant to lose. And they say, screw it. Let's win the whole effing thing. It's a sports movie. It's about overcoming obstacles. Every player has their own stupid obstacle. So what is Charlie time. Sheen's obstacle in this movie? Like Successful The women. fact that I, he, he sells out. I love that about 10 minutes into the movie, they just say, fuck it. Let's make it the same plot as the first one. The same exact plot. It starts with uh, a... 
the shocking thing to me was it started with like a recap of the first movie. <laughs> oh no, it's like a, it's like a mon- it's almost like a sitcom montage. It's like here's Serrano. Yeah, it's like how you watch something on HBO and it recaps a previous episode, and then all of a sudden, as part part of the same recap. Dorn buys the team from the lady, and I was like, oh shit, did I miss that at the end of the last one? Nope, just kind of slapped no, in there. No, they just do that so they can basically stall for an hour until they can make the comeback. You know, I mean, I would watch that movie, how Dorn scrounges up enough money to buy a professional baseball team. Also, a big plot point, he can only afford the payroll for two months. I think when they vet people to own baseball teams... They make sure they have enough money to fund it for more than two months. Uh, generally, it's a very thorough process. Although the one guy almost bought the uh, New York Islanders and he actually had no money and he was just a scammer. Is that the producer, like the movie producer guy? No, he was like a fake financial guy that just committed all kinds of fraud. They did a 30 for 30 on it. Fake financial guy's a little I, weird. I, I think it was called Big Shot. And it was directed by E from Entourage. Oh, fucking in. I'm in then. Yeah, it's a it's a good one because it's a wild story. The guy literally had no money. Like he'd take the coaches and the GM out for dinner and then he'd make them pay. Uh, and they're like, uh, something's wrong here. So he's Mark like, Davis? Aren't you the billionaire? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's start with uh, the plot. You want to go through the plot? Uh, or, so um, the plot. Uh, could you find is, the cable this description? This is supposed to be. Oh, yes, I did. I actually used the crackle description. Oh, this oh is, fuck you. I forgot. This is free on crackle. Yep. And this description is so bad. Somebody wrote this and they're like, yeah, that looks good to me. All right. Before you get to that, I asked Thunder uh, if this was free anywhere. And he goes, yeah, the crackle app. Like I knew what the fuck that was. So download the crackle app. I had to go through conservatively 35 commercials watching this hour and a half movie. So it took me like two and a half hours. I just want to give you a rundown of the commercials I got, seeing if you got the same ones. Here it goes. Started with uh, beer, lottery, lottery, two lottery commercials back to back. They were the same ones. Sonic, car wash, Geico, lottery, beer, credit card, lottery, Allstate. So... So wait, Serrano appears. C- correct. He, he's a no, commercial. But it was with the guy from 30 Rock. It wasn't the Serrano Oh, that's ones. bullshit. But here's, how did they, how did the Crackle app immediately, just by me picking this movie, know that I was a degenerate gambler that needed insurance? I mean. With a minor alcohol problem. It's pretty obvious. Did you get the same commercials? I, yeah, very, very similar. Did you get back-to-back lottery? I don't recall if I got back-to-back lottery, but I also was, like, taking breaks. So. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Uh, I, I, when I was a kid, truth be told, I loved this movie. I got in trouble with my parents for ordering it so much on pay-per-view that they literally went out and bought me a blank VHS and taped the, like, fifth pay-per-view order of this movie I made. And... I watched it like nonstop because I loved Major League. Major League was like my favorite sports movie. Still is one of my favorites. And as a child, I believed this was a good movie. And it, I was wrong. I was very wrong. It's not terrible. You know, it's just not nearly as good as the first one. This is the it's second. Almost, it's almost, it's baffling to me that you think this is better than the first movie. Uh, I can make a strong case, right? This is the second time you have told me a story where you ordered a movie on pay-per-view so many times it upset your parents. What was the other one? Rumble in the Bronx? Oh, Rumble in the Bronx. I, boy, I think the the buy button was broken. (laughs) (laughs) 
what's wrong with you? You know, because this is back when, you, like, you'd order something. You literally got to watch it one time. That was it. Yeah, and, so, and I would, like, just play it back. Let's roll it back right now. <laughs> Run it back. Jackie Chan. The fr- There wasn't enough dubbing for me. Run it back. Yeah. I did not... Uh, I did not have nearly as as much of an issue with this movie as you did. Again, it's it's a comedy. It's kind of corny, but it's basically the first one with just higher quality filming and just slightly slightly different better character writing. beats. Yeah. Also, you lose the presence of uh, the veteran pitcher Eddie Harris, and they kind of replace him with a guy that has no lines. So oh that God! Sucks. I wrote his name down. I had a question about his name. Shope. Shoop. Shoopy. He was a he. He pitched. Major leagues. How old? Shoot. No shit. Yeah. How old was he in this movie? Sixty-five. I mean, he looks older than Tom Berenger, so he looks like everybody's dad I knew growing up. It's terrifying. Yeah. No, like he literally looks like a guy you'd see out mowing his lawn, drinking a Budweiser. <laughs> it was, and then he'd like give you the hard stare, like, "Oh, I know you're up to no good." He was, uh, yeah, he was awesome. Uh, so th- essentially, this movie—it's Major League One. With a slightly different plot. This time they play the White Sox instead of the Yankees. And they're supposed to be good in the beginning, but they're not. And they have to make the comeback. Uh, the main, the most glaring thing is, it's supposed to be the next season. Tom Berenger is clearly not one year older. Lou look, Brown looks basically the same. Berenger looks younger in Wesley this. Snipes somehow got younger and was a different person. And Charlie Sheen is that definitely older. That wasn't Wesley Snipes? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Here's a question for you. This, this you framed it all wrong. It's, after 10 minutes, it's just the movie Major League, but they introduce a very stereotypical Japanese man. That's all this is. You know, the funny thing is, like, now, obviously, if you watch Major League Baseball, there's tons of Japanese players. Oh, name seven. Uh <laughs> well, off the top of my head. Well, I mean, Ichiro just retired, but you've had Matsui. You've had both Matsui's. Here, you've had here, a lot of pitchers. You just say Matsui twice. Well, there's a Hideki Matsui and a Kaz Matsui. Here's the They're thing. They're brothers. Here's the thing. You'll notice throughout this podcast, Thunder loves baseball. He's actually wearing a goddamn Serrano jersey right now, along with my Joe Boo T-shirt. Joe T underneath. I hate baseball. I'm surprised anybody still watches it, uh, but uh, I like this movie. More than I like watching regular season baseball games. Well, yeah, this movie's only two hours long. A regular season baseball game is like a four-hour slog. You're making my point for me. You have to really like baseball to watch early regular season baseball. Uh, But no, 1994, there wasn't really any Japanese-born players in the league. I think Nomo came late 90s, and he was Rookie of the Year, and then it really started to hit after that. But this, this was sort of almost... You know, it's telling the future ahead of, its of Major time. League Two. Yeah, you're saying Major League Two was ahead of its time and how it treated the portrayal of Japanese American baseball players. No, I don't think they were very. Actually, kind I don't think he was respect. Japanese American. That was the line he was I Japanese. didn't get. He played for the Tokyo Giants. Okay, because when he goes, he played for the Giants and lose like Franklin. He goes, not those Giants. Yeah, he's the Tokyo Giants. That's a real team. See, I, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, you say this is a good movie, right? But I, yeah, for a comedy, I, again, I just want to not fall asleep and laugh a few times. And twenty-one reviews. Yeah, it's a nineteen ninety-four movie. Twenty-one, five, it's 21 five. reviews on what? <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Eh, it's five percent. Cocktail baby. And I, I believe it was under fifty percent user score. 
uh, it didn't lose money. I mean, it made 30 on a $25 million budget, but it opened the same weekend as the Mighty Ducks and got its clock cleaned. Mighty Ducks 2. What year which was Which is this? the worst Mighty Ducks movie. of Well, the second worst. This was 1994. I was going to say, we can debate that. So Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez brothers, went head-to-head at the box office. Estevez reigned supreme. By how much did it beat? Uh, overall, this made around 30. Mighty Ducks 2 made around 46. Oh, who, it's not like it blew it out of the water. Who gives a shit? Well, dude, got rocked. Knuckle pucked. Team Sheen. You can be Team Estevez all you want. Oh, for sure. What was that movie they did where they were brothers and they were garbage men and they saw a Men at Work. Was that a good movie? I like that movie. Keith David's in it. And you know I love Keith David. So we're if not going to uh, do that movie. Well, I think it probably got terrible reviews, so conceivably we could do it. I mean, they shoot Ed Bagley Jr. in the ass with a pellet gun. Oh, speaking of which, in this uh, in the fake movie Omar Epps is in, in this movie, with Jesse Ventura, do you see the scene of the guy where he's just bent over in a bullet wound, bleeding in out his, of his ass? In his ass. <laughs> Mine fell the hardest. Mine are the deadest. That that got me good. I, I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie, just a guy bent over with a huge ass wound that's bleeding. <laughs> No, well, I'm, not in anything I've seen on I mean, the I'm TV. assuming he got shot in a lot of different other places because... That, Couldn't tell. I'm just not his sure, ass. I'm not sure that's a, the fatal wound. Just his bleeding ass. Yeah. <laughs> so did you do the plot? I did. So okay. Actual description from Crackle. Okay. Now, I'm not sure who owns Crackle. Uh, Sony. But they've never watched baseball, I can assume, because the description for this movie was... Just one season after shocking the entire baseball world with their national championship. Not a thing in they, Major League Baseball. Pretty sure it's called a national championship. Uh, Continue. They won the American League championship and the... Just no, one season. They, just they one won. season after winning, after hoisting the Lombardi Trophy yeah, the Cleveland Indians. The national championship, so, <laughs> uh, which doesn't exist, right? The Cleveland Indians reunite. Are they in the National it, League? Did they break up? Are they in the National League? They're in the American League. Oh, God, they didn't even get a fuck. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe they just left a word out. <laughs> the, the Cleveland Indians reunite as if the, they just broke up and everyone went their separate ways <laughs> to play ball. And anything can happen in Major League Two. So drops the title of the movie. In the description? In the description. That's like a no-no. That's terrible. So what? how would you have described this movie? Dissimilar from that. I didn't write anything down. You go. I'll think of something. I just said a baseball film about the plucky underdogs is far less interesting the second time around. Plucky? Yep. You know, they're a fun bunch. You've got a Buddhist. You've got a, a Japanese with the samurai warrior spirit. Uh, you've got a new catcher who's a total asshole and another catcher who's a country bumpkin. They're a other plucky team. Uh, overly sensitive pitcher. Folds under the pressure of Randy Quaid verbally harassing him from the outfield. There you go. Boy, you know, there is something to be said. Like, at this point in time, both of those guys are right around the peak of their powers. Who? Randy Quaid and Charlie Sheen. Bullshit. Quaid was peaking at uh, leaving Las Las Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Which Quaid is that? (laughs) What's the uh, uh, fucking uh, Chevy Chase? Vegas vacation. Vegas vacation. That was the so peak. like you know, right in right in here he's you know he's only two years away from ID four at this point. Yeah, but how many years after? Oh, okay. You know he's four years after Days of Thunder. Yeah, but he's like twenty years prior to Conspiracy Theory Quaid, which is the best. Yeah, but it's like which of these guys had a steeper decline or fall from grace? I think 
Quaid did. Because Charlie Sheen was getting paid a million dollars an episode to be on that terrible yeah, I was sitcom. Say, even when even when Sheen was like falling off and he pulled his own tooth out and Tiger Blood and all that nonsense, people still loved him. I mean, there were a lot of Team Sheen people. I mean, he did like a speaking tour. Although he was... Yeah, that's kind of insane. Like, you know, there was a movement to get him invited to the World Series. Didn't he, like, get charged with kidnapping and abusing a porn star? Uh, I'm sure there was something like that in there. Is he in prison right now? I know that he was he contracted HIV, and then he was like, well, I'm not going to treat it. I'm going to go to Mexico because they can heal me there. And I was like, oh, man, he's going to die. But well, I, he's still kicking because a buddy of ours met him at a Reds game. What Recently? Yeah, like year, last year. Oh, my. Yeah. He didn't. He did not look good. <laughs> Shocking. So my main question, and I have a lot of them. You have one main one. Is just what the hell happened with this? You liked it, which is I, I just don't get it. It's a comedy, and yeah. I laughed. It had of the same director and writer because the writer director, uh, he did both. They served. I mean, there's other writers, but he wrote the story, directed it. Mostly the same cast, same friggin' music. But it, like, there's just nothing to it that separates it in any way. I'd say the writing. Women can't live with them. They can't pee standing up. Rube Baker. A lot, of, lot of sage advice from Rube Baker. Okay, say his name again. Rube. No, say his whole name. Rube Baker. Say it together, how you'd say it? Rube Baker. <laughs> as soon as I introduced him, I heard Rube Baker. I was like, the guy's first name is Rue? Nope. They chose to make the guy's name Rube Baker. You can fucking name a character anything you want. This is an original story. So Rube Baker, I don't know. I can't remember the name of the actor off the top of my head, but you'll recognize him from Starship Troopers. No, you won't. He's the guy who, <laughs> who his, his helmet comes off during the live fire exercise. Here's how I'll describe him. He's he not Dauber. He's not Dauber. That's it. He could be Dauber's like bastard son. Dauber Ganger. <laughs> Dauber Ganger. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. So... As we, as we, whoa, whoa. okay, I'm okay. gonna name some redeeming qualities of this movie. You agree or disagree? How long is this list? Oh, extensive. There's at least eleven things here. So first of all, Rube Baker's dropping knowledge. Fantastic. Lots of lots of advice he gives. How about uh, Bob Euchre? Is that his name, Bob Euchre? Bob Euchre. Yes. Bob Euchre, the announcer, going from Harry Doyle, going from R.I.P. Drinking Evian in a nice suit. He's dressed like, who's that hockey announcer that dresses in the... Don Cherry? He's dressed like Don Cherry. Real nice, fancy, flashy suit. Drinking water. As the Indians get progressively worse, he starts to drink beer. And then all of a sudden, he's just wearing a wife beater and drinking Jack Daniels. And literally passing out during games. Gotta love Bob Euchre. So there you go. There's redeeming. Redemptive. Right? A little symbolism. He's losing his mind. Getting drunker as they get worse. So, take that. Okay, so uh, Bob Euchre is a strong point of both films, so I'll, that's fine. Uh, the line, uh, at least they're not from Canada. Why does Bob Euchre hate Canada? That's true, yes. So, that. that uh, I, I feel like in the mid-90s, there's a lot of jokes about Canada. Didn't, didn't uh, a late, later career John Candy make a movie where they just essentially made fun of Canada? Canadian bacon? Yeah. First of all, when you say later years, John Candy. I mean, it was it was towards the end. I mean, it was only like a couple years till Wagons East, and that was his last movie. Was so. Canadian Bacon funny? 
I I don't remember laughing at it when I was young, so I doubt it's. Yeah, funny. I think I saw it when I was too young. Rhea Perlman's in it. I know that. Yeah, because you have a notoriously great sense of humor as a child, right? Oh, I'm very pleasant. Everybody knows that. False. Okay. Uh, male pattern baldness, wild thing haircut in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, got it. Uh, when Serrano says, I'm free and clear, and again, back to the writing, Vaughn says, did he just say free and queer? <laughs> yeah, there's some just really lazy writing. Not only there. is it racially insensitive, it is also moderately homophobic. Again, this is a time period where Black Hammer and White Lightning. Jokes. You know you like that. That that trailer's awesome. Yeah. How about But I'd rather see that movie <clears throat> okay. than this one. Here's one for you. Speaking of racially insensitive, they are the Cleveland Indians. In in the outfield, I believe of the home opener when they're playing the White Sox, there's a sign that says Engine Power I N J U N. Well, you know, Chief Wahoo's been widely criticized for sort of his uh insensitivity in recent years here's the only two issues i had with the film only two film the only two by the way i watched <laughs> only on, two i watched this on crackle it hasn't yet made the criterion collection but when it does i'll watch it there too here's two here's two issues when the kids ask for an autograph and he asks his ex-girlfriend for something to write on did you recognize her no Coneheads. the daughter yeah also, Dazed and Confused, which is the better movie than Coneheads, but yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Damn it. Coneheads was funny, right? We're not going to do Coneheads. Doesn't Sometimes f- doesn't Farley I feel ru- I've got to <laughs> uh, uh, run away. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it holds up. He doesn't have an asshole in Coneheads, does he? No, he just has like two growths. How does he poop? I think they just operate at maximum efficiency, Coneheads. I mean, you see the way he eats, so. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Yeah, so he just burns it. He just burns it. Okay, so he asked for something to When he's sign. narfling the Garfarg, he burns a lot of calories. <laughs> so he asked, he gets a magazine and a pen, like a blue Bic pen, and just signs the front yeah, of a glossy magazine. Would be totally worthless. I was very it's upset It's not how you that. sign autographs, Charlie. It bothered. It really bothered me. So that again, small problem. Everything else fine. The other thing that really bothered me was so wild thing. Like he's dating this rich chick who's also his manager. She's cleaned him up. He's not wearing the glasses, not wearing the leather jacket. He doesn't come out to his music anymore. He doesn't have the haircut. He goes on Leno, right? He's trying to like create this image that's more profitable. He goes on Leno. Leno asks him like one or two questions and he starts telling this story about being in a high speed chase with the cops where he got off because he knew some transvestite judge in Colorado and Leno like cuts it off like it's not good TV. Like it's not interesting. Could you imagine? This is very interesting. Yeah, like Leno, any like late night guy would be thrilled to start hearing that story and really get into it. But he cuts it off like it's bad. I thought that was stupid. His entire interview on Leno is just the the plot to the movie The Chase that he's in with Christy Swanson. You ever seen The Chase? No, but I love Christy Swanson. Uh, the Chase is pretty terrible, but uh, he obviously he steals a car and he goes on a high-speed chase. Uh, and Flea and Anthony Kiedis chase him in a monster truck. And uh, I think Henry Rollins is in it. Oh, my God. 
So those are my only two issues with the movie. Everything else, totally fine. Oh yeah, those yeah you you really nailed it. I'm I've turned around. I'm on the other side. You of have the fence no questions now. for me, do you? I love it. See, I can tell you have no questions. Here's my big here's my big issue. So the montage we talked about seems to serve no purpose other than to waste time, and it just really highlights the fact that Wesley Snipes isn't in the movie anymore. That is, it's like so <sighs> glaring. It's like oh, so he's not here. Omar Epps okay. doing his best Wesley Snipes impersonation. It's not a good one. So now, I, I don't want to be too mean to Omar Epps because he's had a pretty actually good career. It's actually debatable who wound up having the better career. Well, only one was in the program, so done and done. Yeah, but only one was Blade. Yep, uh, only one was in Blade 3 as well. Well, only one was on House. Which one was on House? Omar Epps. <laughs> uh, actually, isn't that supposed to be a good show? I know it's pretty ridiculous, but... I would imagine uh, if you binge it, it gets repetitive. That's the great thing about binging old shows, is you pick up on the plot so quick. Well, any show that's uh, like a 22-episode-per-season show has to just feel miserable when you're trying to watch them all. Binge Bar Rescue. It gets to be a nightmare after a while. I, I bet you he yells at everybody at every episode. Big or old. he finds, like, rats or some other awful shit in the kitchen there's a lot of yelling yeah <laughs> uh so omar epps was 21 when they made this movie wesley snipes was 27 when they shot the original was this before the program uh yeah program's 96 this is his first movie uh it's not his first but it's pretty close i'm an omar epps fan. so he actually ages exactly backwards he goes from 27 to 21 instead of the instead of 27 to the 32 or whatever I guess it's another year, but yeah, he's 21 years old. He pulls it off. It's believable that he's Wesley Snipes. You know, it's not believable. His baseball swing, which is uncomfortable at best. Look good to me. Yes. As we've discussed, you're not the biggest baseball fan. I know nothing about baseball. Swing, believable. You once struck out in a slow pitch softball game. I struck out in a t-ball game when I was a child. It wasn't a strikeout, but... How was it not a strikeout? Here's what was it? I couldn't. <laughs> Did you I hit was, the ball? I was so short and stubby that I couldn't like hit the ball. I had to strike the tee hard enough that the ball would roll off and it kept rolling backwards. So eventually they just let me take the base. They felt, I, they felt so bad for you because you fouled out. I fucking, they gave you first base. I walked in a tee ball game as a child. I'm not going to give you the walk. I'm going to give you a drop third strike. I and you ran it out. I that's probably where my hatred for baseball. It has to be. I got Don Gullett's autograph too that year. Who the hell is Don Gullett? He's a pitching coach for the Cincinnati Reds, I think. <laughs> you think he See, could have just been some guy you saw just like dropping at, baseball knowledge at like all a Seven Eleven, holding yeah. like a catcher's mitt. I think my mom was just flirting with a guy, and she told me to ask for his autograph. Are you sure this wasn't your karate instructor? Oh, it could have been the same guy. Just sign my kid's ball, would you? So leave us alone. Uh, so one of my big gripes is uh, Rick Vaughn's like, well, I, you know, I got to think about longevity now. I can't just be throwing heat. He's like, I just got a seven-figure deal. Who gives a guy who's been in the league for one year and literally only pitched well for about two months a seven-figure deal? So that's just a million dollars, right? Well, yeah, but that's a lot. Don't almost all baseball players get a million-dollar deal if they – are throwing well, 90. now. Okay, go back to 94. Yeah. 
Name every guy that threw over 100 miles an hour that didn't have a million-dollar deal. Listen, all I'm saying is in Major League One, he's a train wreck for the first half of the season. Just saying it's a great movie. You, Cap- don't, just, you don't just throw money at a guy like that. Plus, Cap- Counterpoint, movie's great. You know, he's a felon. You never know if he's going back to the big house. Former felon. Was he a felon? Of course he was a felon. In the first movie, he starts <laughs> in prison. He gets invited to Indians camp on a collect call. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in the California Penal League. Mm-hmm. So, he's in jail. Okay, fair enough. What, you don't believe in second chances now? <laughs> you, you, I'm reformed, you know I do. <laughs> After watching the Adnan documentary, I, I'm on your side now. Oh, it's about time. He's the most innocent person ever of all time. Here's a legit question, although I think one of these fell out of your rugby shorts. I one joined practice. the Patreon I felt for him so much. Who keeps a Playboy in their back pocket during practice? Like, why is that a plot point? Oh, Rube, I see that you read Playboy. Why is he out on the field with a Playboy? You know how much downtime they have in baseball? I can only imagine practice how much downtime they have. Here's here's the best part of the movie that you missed, or one of the parts I actually really enjoy. When Rick Vaughn's warming up and he throws five pitches and he looks at Jake Taylor and he says, that's enough for the first day. Yeah. That's, that's comedy gold. How else are you going to... Let people know that he's getting too big for his britches. Yeah, no, that was that was actually well done. It's good writing. It's like this guy has lost focus. See? And not even like one of those stupid cutaways where they go, man, this guy's getting too big for his britches. Nope. Just the dialogue from the scene. We got it. We understand. Now, serious question. Randy Quaid obviously is an is a nut job fan in this movie, oh, and he's boy. very enthusiastic when they read the rosters and they find out they got Jack Parkman, who's like some stud catcher from Oakland. How many that. times have we sat there and had the exact same conversation? Like, oh, we're gonna go all the way this year. You know, like we're super ecstatic. They haven't even played a game yet. It's like, oh, we're we're definitely going to the playoffs this year. How many times have we just talked about the teams we like? I've never done that in my life. Well, you're like the most super depressed fan ever. Oh, really? <laughs> Why don't you rattle off your sports teams? Baltimore Orioles. Uh-huh. Right now, we're the best team in baseball. 4-1. Yeah. You've been dog and, shit for 15 years. And I will years. tell you, right now, I've been thinking about it these past couple of days. Like, man, maybe we're the team nobody knows about. And we're going to catch people by surprise. See, when now, your teams suck, you have two options. Delusion or realistic. I'm realistic. You're delusional. Yeah. Keep in mind, there's 157 games to play. Don't start with the Orioles. And I'm talking myself into a winning season. Clippers. There you go. Well, I got the Penguins. Yeah. Baseball, hockey, you can have those two sports. Penguins are legit. They're my only good team. Great. Only only good team. Bills, But I I guarantee you, the draft will happen in a couple weeks, and I'll talk myself into the Bills. Yeah. I'll do it, guaranteed. As a Dolphins fan, I will watch the draft, think every player we're going to have will turn us around for about a week, and then I'll be thinking about next year's draft. Yeah, that's sad. We just need you got to at least go to week six. I remember rolling into Buffalo this year, and the Bills were playing the Bears. I don't remember our record, but it wasn't good, and I'm like, if we can win this game, whole season turns around. Within one quarter, we're down 21 points. And it's like, we could still do this. No. I remember watching a lot of Dolphins games and thinking, man, if we just had like three or four more major injuries, we could get a higher draft pick. <laughs> you're, you're rooting for it. 
or even like not not like career ending shit, but you know, maybe a guy misses a few weeks, his backup comes in and you know, the backup's a practice squad guy and he causes us to lose like three in a row. This middle of the road shit where we win like five to eight games a year just kills me. Yeah, no, it sucks. But I always talk myself into my team's doing better. To answer your question, I never act like Randy Quaid where I think at the beginning of the season we're going to be good. One day. So Rick Vaughn's agent, worst sports agent in history, his agent slash girlfriend. Just real quick, I want to get back to something. Do you realize Adam Gase is the head coach of the Jets? Did you see that press conference he gave where his eyes were like darting all over the place? He's a crazy person, but... I don't understand how he went from the Dolphins and what he did with our team to just being the head coach of the Jets. That's how it works, man. I don't – I need to be reminded of that, like, weekly. Like uh, Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, shit, Adam Gase is the coach of the Jets. How'd that happen? That's just, uh, you know. He's a quarterback whisperer. Look what he did for our team. Here's the one truism about actual sports versus, like, sports movies. In every sports movie I love, like, the coach is the most inspirational person in the world. In real life, most coaches are just assholes. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I've probably had one good coach in my entire life that I really, like, thought changed my life in some profound way. And I played a lot of sports, and I don't have a lot of kind things to say about most of my coaches. I had a t-ball coach who would literally just scream at us. Meanwhile, we're, like, five years old. Just scream at us. It left such an impression my dad talks about that guy to this day. Well, if I would have had that guy, maybe I wouldn't have had to fucking walk to first. No, he would have told you to go home. Good. That's what I needed. <laughs> that would have been the end of Snowflake? <laughs> All right. So uh, what are the questions you got for me? Because I have great answers all so, in defense of this. So Flannery. Is Flannery the worst sports agent of all time? Who's Flannery? That's Charlie Sheen's girlfriend. Rick Vaughn's girlfriend slash agent who has him seeing a sports psychologist and doing terrible speed stick commercials. Her right first, guard. Her first name's Flannery? Yeah, her her name is Flannery. What's her last name? Smannery. All right. I don't so, know her last name. So is she the worst agent ever? Yeah. Well, or is it Jay Moore? I was just going to say, it's got to be Jay Moore from Jerry Maguire, right? Yeah. No, um, I think she's, yeah, she's probably. She's she, pretty terrible. Not only are you sleeping with your client, but. You're trashing him behind his back to your friends at his own home. Oh, no. Worst agent ever. Um, agent slash manager. Rookie of the year. The stepdad. Oh, yeah. That guy is bad. That guy's a piece of shit. And yeah, he, he tries was... to sell a child to the Yankees. That is bad. He also murders a bunch of children in that uh, Paul Walker movie about hockey. Well, he's not the same character there, but he could be. By the way, that's the cable description of that movie. Paul Walker movie about hockey. What's the fucking name of that movie? Uh, that is running scary. <laughs> hockey is in the movie. It's certainly not about hockey. <laughs> That's yeah. It might be a false narrative. Uh, I want to know a lot of good candidates here. Who's the MVP of this Indians team? Cause to me, the answer is clear. Who inspires the turnaround? Oh, Tanaka. Boom. The second Tanaka. he's on the team. Well, it's either him or uh, Rube. Tanaka changes everything. Because Rube gives a speech. But, yeah, as soon as Tanaka's on the team, no. they win yep. the second of the doubleheader. He runs up on that. By the way, is it legal to run and stand on the top of the wall to catch a fly ball? No, I don't believe so. Oh. Well, Otherwise, don't you think more people would do it? 
Judging by how unathletic I deem most baseball players to be, I don't know how many people could actually run and stand on the top of a wall. Tanaka infuses the warrior spirit into this Indians team. He brings Serrano back by questioning his manhood. Marbles. Which you cannot underestimate. Yes, he looks up how to insult his manhood in an English dictionary and comes up with that he has no marbles. Uh, Rube Baker, close, because he does. he runs out the basically slow dribbler when he's got the hurt ankle. And of course, we can't undersell the return of Rachel Phelps. I just like that Jake is always a problem solver. In Major League, instead of letting Serrano sacrifice a chicken, he buys him KFC. And this one, he gets the hillbilly to think about porn, literature, while throwing to the pitcher. By the way, that's hilarious that that was I, uh, based on a real guy. I thought that, what do you mean? The, his inability to throw the ball to uh, the pitcher was based on a real-life catcher. There's a guy who struggled to do that. See, I thought they were going to show him not being able to throw to second. Like with all the balls laying out in the field, I'm like, oh, he just can't throw to second. Nope, can't throw to the pitcher. No. And you'd be surprised. Like that's a more common problem. Because it's a it's a it's like an inconsequential throw, whereas like when you're firing the second, like you what know, do I know? The uh, Berkman was that his name? Jack Parkman. B- Jack Barkman? He's a Ma- howling. Uh, no, that's howling. Mad Murdoch is from the A team. He's uh the devil, Jack Murdoch from Daredevil. Jake he's a, he's a Ben Affleck's dad in the Daredevil. Oh, movie. the movie. Okay. Yeah. Don't know him from anything else. The Indian in the Cupboard. Oh, that's right. You told me that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can re- remember him from. I'm sure he's in other stuff. Uh, he's got a very recognizable face, but then a guy can't really pin it anywhere. He looks just like the guy who played M. Bison in the Chun-Li Street Fighter movie, but with different colored hair. Like the same sort of sort of strong features. You got to love... All right. I hope we're going to rank our like best baseball movie villains. We going to do that? Uh, my scale is the most shitty teammates scale, and Jack Parkman is on that scale. So let's. I'm just gonna rattle off. This is on the fly. I apologize if I forget people. Uh, who's the guy from Rookie of the Year that hits that can't hit the floater, and he like grinds the bat? Do you remember his name? Oh my gosh, the Mets player. He looks the guy like that looks- Branyarski. Yes, that he looks just like Bernyarski. He looks like Latimer. Except like, like huskier. So he's on the list. And with curlier hair. Just thick. What about Clue Haywood? Who's that? He's in. He's Major League One. He's the slugger from that movie. That's another thing. Like Clue Haywood in the first movie is like, the Yankees are like, you feel that hatred. You don't really get that from the White Sox so much here. Just because they wind up getting Jack Parkman, that doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Who's the bad guy in Little Big League? Is it Ken Griffey Jr.? Well, he's the guy that ends up ruining their season, yeah. But he's not necessarily a bad guy. Well. The bad guy is parenting in that movie. <laughs> just lets their kid like, well, oh, screw it. Why don't you just travel around? You don't have to go to school anymore. Don't worry the about it. bad guy is parenting. Uh, Meanie, isn't he the bad guy from Waterboy? <laughs> isn't there a guy named Meanie? Meanie? Or is that I, from something else? I don't know. Big Meanie? I, I haven't seen The Waterboy in so long. I know that Ben Franklin's a bad guy because Ben Franklin didn't invent electricity. I know that Ben Franklin's a bad guy. His mom did. Quote. Ben Franklin's the devil. 
the devil. Okay, so there's my amateur list of bad. Oh, Angels in the Outfield. Who's the bad the guy, guy that eats that? a chili dog? I don't know who the bad guy. Uh, the devil is he the bad guy there? Adoption maybe. Jeez. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt. JGL. Yeah. So here's some other MVPs I forgot to mention. Runner-up Joe Boo. His return is huge, although he doesn't drink any rum in this one. Uh, lose heart attack. Very big thing. That's that's the catalyst for yeah. them winning the last. It's game. either a leg thing, or a heart attack thing. He says, "Who used who heart, heart attack? attack? Me." The uh, it was a brilliant move, very eight mile esque of her to come in and flip the script when uh, they're on their three game win streak in the series, about to win the fourth and go to the World Series, and she comes. Oh, she into totally the, psychs him. Comes in the locker room, brings up all the. Stuff that's going to put pressure on them, how terrible they actually are, and says, win one for me when they hate her. Power move. Now, which leads me to my final co-runner-up for MVP, Dorn taking the bean ball. Dorn. Loved it. So Dorn comes... Uh, the well, Another great scene in this movie is Dorn's been retired. Obviously, he buys the team, and then he has to sell it back to Rachel because whoever is his investment guy is an idiot, and he's clearly underwater within a month of owning the team. He walks into the office in like a trench coat, and he goes, this morning around 9, 10 a.m., I activated myself. So the rest of the movie is the GM attempting to, like, get put into the game. (laughs) And then when he gets put into the game, it's just to get hit by a pitch because this guy always pitches him inside, gets to first base, and they want to put a pinch runner in. He refuses to leave and starts doing the same stretches as the pinch runner. As Barkley. On the base, and then finally he gets shamed into... I, I, I do love out. that part. So there are a couple of scenes that I think are really funny. See, I'm going to get you turned around on this. It's not a good movie. Strong disagree. Uh, who wins in the fight? Sheen or Epps? Oh. So a sneaky co-runner-up for MVP. The, the brawl in the Indians' dugout See, turns things around a bit. It's got to be Epps because if Sheen would have won, he would have got his edge back. He wouldn't have needed to date someone he wouldn't else have needed to and get a motorcycle. By the way, have that, one of the worst romantic scenes in history where he emerges from like oh, just a there's worse misty that. cloud in the middle of Cleveland doing a wheelie going, Woo That that is one of the Yeah That is one of the did that wheelie was terrifying. I thought they were gonna die. I will oh, tell did, you did you did you? When they when they the solid stunt work. When they're eating pizza and then they're yucking it up and he just goes, I know a guy with a motorcycle. That's weird, isn't it? What do you mean you know a guy with a motorcycle? Yeah. You mean you? mean you? And then she said she's dating another guy, but here she is just riding yeah. on the back of his motorcycle, making out with him. This responsible for children. Yeah. And she's is... like, oh, I'll just casually cheat on my boyfriend with uh, uppity Charlie Sheen. I feel like that's a theme in movies where as long as the person that's cheating on someone is doing it with a main character, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, ever. But I immediately am like, oh, that poor son of a bitch. But, I mean, that goes to the point that this is the same movie, except you're swapping Berenger and... uh, Rene Russo. Rene Russo for Charlie Sheen and Conehead. But, again... (laughs) I can't remember her name. We met that stiff in Major League, that guy that tried to, like, embarrass him at the house party. Like, her cheating on that asshole... With Behringer, I was fine with because the guy that was a dick. That made sense. Also, it was clear that they were meant to be together. Yeah, but this... Oh, you're so sappy. I mean, <laughs> they were. But this guy, like, we've never met this guy, and she's just cheating on him, and we're supposed to be fine with it. That always bothers me. 
When he follows Rene Russo back to her apartment in the bullpen car, it is magical. Unbelievable. I still cry. Back to the better Cree version. Craig's coffin. Back to the better version of that movie, this movie. <laughs> I don't think, um, yeah, so to answer your question, I think Epps clearly wins the fight because Charlie Sheen, if he would have won, he would have got his mojo back and he didn't. No, he would have instantly become Wild Thing again. You're right. And I say Epps wins. I, th- I think Epps just destroys Charlie Sheen. Correct. I don't even think it's a contest. No, even today. He's younger. He's faster. Charlie Sheen, by this point, has got 10, 15 extra pounds. No way. Who you, who you taking today? Taking today? Epps isn't looking that solid either. And Charlie Sheen's got tiger's blood. Then again, so it, I'm going, th- if I'm they going fought, Sheen. it would have to be on some Indian reservation because Charlie Sheen would be couldn't able to get, get He couldn't get licensed anywhere else. He's got else. the hiv. Uh, here's a big question. Rube Baker. Rube Baker? Who the hell wears long underwear under their baseball jersey? What do you mean? He's wearing long underwear. Oh, when she Un- snaps his jock strap? <laughs> no, like he comes out of the scene and he's got a long underwear top on. What's a long underwear top? Haven't you ever seen, you know, like long underwear? It's like... Thermals? Yeah, No, not thermals. Like real old school type, like a Mormon's magic underwear. Oh, like a adult onesie? Yes. Uh, when was he wearing that? I forget the scene. It was like, what the hell is he wearing that for? One, it'd be hot as hell. Like Baseball's any, played in the summer, for the record. In any movie where a hillbilly would run out of an outhouse, they'd be wearing it? Uh, <laughs> so which line of his advice did you find to be the best? Because I thought it was really poignant when he made the comparison uh, to getting kicked in the nuts by a mule to Charlie Sheen in the bullpen. <laughs> How about when his mom died? That was the same story, right? Yeah. And then my mom died. You understand? <laughs> yeah. See, something could always be worse. I mean, that's sage advice. He's just, you know, he's he is there. So he, maybe I gotta bump him up to the MVP. When the because throughout get the going, film, the going gets tough. Yeah. Or how about what? I almost needed subtitles when he gives the the final when Berenger gives the final speech about uh, Lou having a heart attack, and he says something like, "Hey, when you're blind, the, well, the fa- guys' lights are about to go out." The fat lady can't sing. She can't see. It ain't over. It was it was fantastic. Yeah, him just biffing all the great sayings was pretty solid. Good character trait. Here's a, here's a very solid question. Mm. So, ALCS. Stop preempting your own questions by saying they're good. I I'm just I think it's a valid point. Are we to assume that Randy Quaid? character has the funds to travel to Chicago and get great seats for game four of the American League Championship Series. He's just swimming in debt. He said every game. Just swimming in debt. That's all that I can come up with. (laughs) He's literally at every game in the same seats that he has in Cleveland. So he's sitting in like the left field corner. Same seats. You know what that is? Just that is kind of fucked up that if you think about like more poor or blue collar fan bases... They probably don't travel as well because they can't afford to. It's kind of fucked up. All those Canadians wow. that root for the Bills can't travel unless they hey, play Bills in Bills fans Canada. travel well. Yeah. They take tables Through with tables. them, too. Uh, no, that is one of the kind of the, the crummy things about sports, and particularly like if you think about it, if you played the Yankees today, the cost of a Yankees ticket is so astronomically higher than almost every other team besides, say, like the Red Sox or like maybe the Dodgers in the playoffs. Like, you could never travel to that game if you were a super passionate fan. Yeah, that does suck. They're like, uh, behind home plate seats are like three grand a pop. 
Luckily, I'm a Dolphins fan. I don't have to travel anywhere to see them lose. Well, they're America's team. Or what? <laughs> they're Serena Williams. So uh, that really – team. That, that wraps it up for me. Well, no. Uh, do you think Charlie Sheen got over the wall at the end of the movie, or was that a <laughs> stunt double? I'm so glad you noticed that, too, when that has to be a stunt double. just running as hard as he can at that wall, jumps up, and just gets stuck, and they have to switch the shot that's coming the shot. over the wall. Yeah. That was pretty and solid. And obviously Rick Vaughn saves the day. That's what the whole movie's building toward. No, the whole movie's building towards Lou having a heart attack, needing surgery. They won't let him watch baseball in the hospital, so he brings in a radio, a little transistor radio, and there's this British soap opera on TV. That's a real show. And he's going nuts, like rooting for the Indians in, their, in Game 7. And every time the nurse asks him if he's okay, he just says something like, I love this British shit. <laughs> I love this shit, and I may move to England. Best part of the movie. That's so, where it peaked. So Rick Vaughn is, he's got to have his big moment, right? He's got to come back. He's got to best Jack Parkman. I got the chills. Who's his foil. This scene gave me the chills. And uh, by the way, one of the more mind-boggling things is because they have limited extras, like the starting pitchers literally stay in every game until the ninth inning, even when they're getting shelled. So Shoop, there was no pitch of, count in the nineties. Shoop Pitchers comes pitched. out of Game Seven when he's given up like five runs already. Why do you think this is the ninth inning? Nolan Ryan had so many complete games. And out comes Jake Taylor, and he says, "Give me, give, give me, me Vaughn, give me Vaughn." And Rube goes, "You mean Rick Vaughn?" It's like, <laughs> what other Vaughn is on this team? It's solid writing. He just wanted to make sure. You, you mean Rick Vaughn? He's a Rube. no, the other Vaughn, the guy that's never played. <laughs> Again, it was hilarious. Great line. All right, so when we come back. I got a lot of good true or falses. Am I full of shit or not? You're going to have to figure these out. Yes. So we're going to hit a break. We'll be right back. So we're back on Hops and Box Office Flops for our second segment. Am I full of shit or not? This is all based on research I did on the internet. Some stuff I made up. Some stuff I did not. So here we go. This Indian season, well, the one they lost to the Braves in the World Series, then the Marlins a couple of years later, was what sent Randy Quaid over the Looney Tune edge because he'd grown up an Indians fan. True or false? False. I feel like he's not from Cleveland. False. I don't know where he's from. <laughs> uh, he, he went over the edge because he became increasingly paranoid. Maybe due to illicit drug use, probably due to some mental health issues. No. And he swore that a cabal of Hollywood elites was out to kill him. He's and not that wrong. they had killed Heath Ledger. Big conspiracy theory. Uh, Chris Penn, Sean Penn's brother. Yeah. And that he, Britney Spears, and somebody else were next. So he fled to Canada. And he was arrested a couple of years back trying to illegally reenter the United States. Yeah, stay woke. Quaid is. Uh, Hashtag Quaid is woke. <laughs> That's going to take off. Uh, Camden Yards, home of my beloved Baltimore Orioles, doubled as Cleveland Municipal Stadium. Scenes depicting Indians' road games were filmed mostly at nearby Baltimore Memorial Stadium. I'm going to say false. They don't film movies in Baltimore, mainly because of all the crime and um, falsely accused people that are in prison. That is true. They filmed it at Camden Yards. You can actually tell because the warehouse, which is in uh, behind right field, you can see it throughout the movie. So, so is, is that how you can tell? 
it's in Baltimore, or is it from all the detectives forcing people to testify against others? What against wait? What movie did you watch? This is the Adnan Syed case. You <laughs> son of a bitch. Also, I've been watching a lot of The Wire. So when Shope is pulled from Game Seven, he says, "I can't believe I walked that Punch and Judy hitter." Punch and Judy was a term used to describe pro baseball players who were known for domestic abuse. In the tragic comedy, Dr. Punch kills his whole family and then outwits a ghost, a crocodile, and a doctor, convinces the hangman to be hanged in his place, and at the play's end, even defeats the devil himself. Okay, that was going to be one of my questions, and that was such a preposterous read of the play, I'm going to say that's absolutely true. It's false. Well played, you son of a bitch. The term was coined in the 60s by Walter Alston. It referred generally to a hitter that didn't hit the ball hard or out of the park very often, but sort of sprayed it all over the field. So Tony Gwynn would be a punch and Judy hitter because he kept the ball in the ballpark, uh, hit a lot of singles, doubles, etc. Seems like a dark term to uh, coin for a guy who just doesn't hit home runs. Punching Judy? Yeah, that's not great. If you've ever seen uh, Gone Girl... The puppet punch is like a primary plot point. Like he beat her to death with the puppet, right? Or like it was a gift or something like that. But it's used because it's like, oh, this guy beats his wife. Your in-depth knowledge of Gone Girl is my you know, I haven't read the book in a while. Oh, you, uh, in a while? <laughs> <laughs> or I, or seen the movie. I hated the movie. My God. Okay. Charlie Sheen. Don't trivia. you see Affleck's dick in that movie? I don't know. And it, I think you're What right. do you mean yeah. you don't know? Bat Batman. If you can, if yes, you, it came out of the cowl. I was gonna say, if you got a glimpse at Batman's dick in a movie, you would definitely know. Uh, Charlie Sheen could actually throw a ninety mile per hour fastball, a skill he attributed to his tiger's blood. No chance. That's a pretty rare feat. False. Although he did play shortstop for his Santa Monica High School baseball team, and he was offered a D one scholarship to the University of Kansas. Uh, his dream was to play shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds but he was expelled shortly before graduation uh, after he was arrested for credit card fraud. Just to be clear, you asked me, could he throw a 90-mile-per-hour baseball? I said that was false, which it was. You said, you're right, but he was a good high school baseball player and a felon. Yep. Okay. So he never got to go to Kansas because his scholarship was revoked after he got arrested for credit card fraud, which, dude, you're in high school. What are you doing? Yeah. And who, you're rich. Like, what What are you doing? Who would commit some sort of fraud w- stemming from the monetary system while they were a high schooler? We definitely don't know anybody like that. <laughs> Wait, do we? Oh, my God. Let's move on. Someone I went to high school with got arrested for it. We'll talk about this off air. Uh, he got arrested for identity theft, the guy I went to high school with. Nope. He was a loser, so it didn't surprise me. Uh, Charlie Sheen once gave a pep talk to the UCLA baseball team. At the urging of the coach, he spoke to them about avoiding drugs. His advice, don't do crack, drink chocolate milk, enjoy your moment. That's all I've got. Uh, that sounds like LT's speech from The Waterboy. This oh. is true. He said this. He said drink chocolate milk in his hype speech. Yep. Don't do crack and drink chocolate milk were his two key pieces of advice to this college baseball team. Uh, okay. Uh, one night while they were filming this film in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which I guess is where they shot uh, spring training scenes, Charlie Sheen and other stars of the movie boarded a bus 
and visited Central Pennsylvania Business School to go to a party. False. This movie was filmed in Baltimore, where all the crooked politicians kept Adnan Syed in prison for 20 years. That one's true, too. Really? Yep. This movie's fantastic. Uh, In 2009, the Indians hosted a Rick Vaughn bobblehead night. True or false? Ooh, true. True. Yeah. They played the Milwaukee Brewers, which also allowed Bob Euchre, a.k.a. Harry Doyle, to throw out the first pitch of the game. I mean, when your team's really bad and the comedy movie they make about them is the best thing you got going, why not just have a bobblehead of... uh, Char- it should be it's a Charlie Sheen bobblehead night it's yeah. kind of like how in was it in Philadelphia they have a statue of Sylvester Stallone of a fictional character yeah <laughs> uh, during the 2016 World Series a fan petition and Sheen uh, who rallied for it himself uh, got him invited to throw the first pitch out for game seven of the World Series say that one again so in 2016 the Indians played the Cubs in the World Series and the fans and Charlie Sheen both basically petitioned for him to be asked to throw out a first pitch. And it got so much support that they brought him to Game 7 and he threw out the first pitch of Game 7 of the World Series. False. It is false. But he did attend it. He was flown out by a businessman on a private jet, and he got to sit in the guy's box because everybody was so excited uh, about him like wanting to do this. Like That's how much Major League means to the people of Cleveland. If any petition should get something thrown out, it's a petition to get Adnan Syed's conviction thrown out. Oh, would you get off of that? Nailed it. No, I can't. I just watched the documentary. I listened to the whole Undisclosed podcast, and I'm furious. Also, you're on my side now. True. In the outfield, uh, during the second game, there's a sign that says Emilio's Repo Depot. That's a nod to Charlie Sheen's brother, Emilio Estevez, who was in the movie The Repo Man. True. That is true. Yes. Uh, Bob Euchre, Harry Doyle, was a Major League Baseball player, 1962 to 67. After he retired, he became the Milwaukee Brewers broadcaster, a position he's held since 1971. False? True. He's the Milwaukee Brewers broadcaster. Uh, Bob Euchre had such issues. For how long? He's been doing it since 1971. Jeez. Yeah. That's almost as long as uh, Detective Ritz and McGillivary have been crooked. Oh, Jesus. Bob Euchre had such issues with the script that he literally drank throughout filming, and that uh, translates into part of the film. He did look pretty drunk, so true. False. Bob Euchre's a national treasure. (laughs) He's a member of the WWE Hall of Fame. True. And star of the greatest sitcom of the late 80s, early 90s, Mr. Belvedere. He's the star of Mr. Belvedere? Yep. You didn't know that? Yeah. He basically plays himself. I thought Mr. Belvedere was the star. Well, he's the patriarch of the family. He's his servant. Mr. Belvedere is not the real star of the show. The show might be named after him, but he The show's called Mr. Belvedere. Well, guess what? He works for Mr. Euchre or whatever his name is on the show. That's like saying Uncle Phil's the star of The Fresh Prince. Is Alfred the star of Batman? Yes. Intruder alert. Intruder alert. (laughs) Intruder alert. He's the star of McGregor Syndrome, a documentary. (laughs) Uh, Euchre served as the ring announcer for Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3. True. It is true. So that is my internet true or false. Now, today I've got got two segments. Not only do I have the scale, and I want to find out where Jack Parkman ranks on the terrible teammate scale, 
but I also have an upgrade downgrade. And we're going to decide whether it was an upgrade or a downgrade when an actor came in to replace a different actor in the sequel to a movie. Yes, All right? I like So this. we will be right back. Okay, here we are back on Hops and Box Office Flops, uh, brought to you by RevengeOfTheFans.com for our third segment. Well, you never told them what we're drinking. Oh, we're drinking Joe Boo's rum, with his permission, of course, because it's very bad to drink Joe Boo's rum, and I really can't afford to get hit in the back of the head with an errant baseball bat anytime soon. So I love how you forget to do that part of the show every time, and it's literally the first word of our podcast. Well, it doesn't have any hops this time. You don't know what hops are. Yeah, they're like you a... Hey, you know what? You don't like have a, any hops either. I do, yeah, I don't have any hops. <laughs> I don't have I don't have many hops, but... You saw me getting at that one time when I was 17. Of the pair, I have more hops. I had a 22-inch vertical in high school. I'm not sure what to make of that. You know what? You should... It's... I think you and me together, if we could combine... All of our athletic achievements, we could put together a pretty good combine run. <laughs> mm, um, well, all, all we we would have to not we'd have to not participate in the forty, and then add everything else together combined as one. Person. The shuttle run would not be kind. No, no, no. Even if they took like mine minus yours. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to come up with some really fancy algorithms to sell that. All right, what segment do we have here? All right, so where would Jack Parkman, Daredevil's dad, rank on the most toxic teammates scale? Okay. Now, again, now, just like last week, we're getting worse as we go up. So I'm going to, the culmination is the worst teammate. I have number one in my head right now. I am so excited to see if we're on the same page. Is it a football movie, your number one? No. Oh, shit. But you can then give me who your number one was. My number one is Michael J. Fox as the Teen Wolf in Teen Wolf. Sure, he averages a triple-double, but he also gave the whole team fleas. Is is he a boxer in Teen Wolf 2? Yeah, and it's Jason Bateman in Teen Wolf 2. Teen Wolf 2 is better also than Also, not Wolf. a team sport. <laughs> Boxing. <laughs> Unless you're in Russia. Corbin Burnson as Roger Dorn in the Major League movies. Uh, he tanks plays, he bullies rookies, uh, demands to receive playing time when he's the GM. Not a great teammate, Dorn. His wife sleeps with the with the relief pitcher. I'm listening. Then he tries to assault him before the big play-in game. Number three. This one might get you. I think the next two might might get you a little bit. Jamie Foxx is steaming Willie Beeman in uh, any given Sunday. A know-it-all third-string quarterback who puts himself above the team, changes plays at the line, and falls in love with his own success. See, this is what sucks is I was thinking about that, but he totally redeems himself. He does. But he's obviously not a better teammate than Teen Wolf. So, I mean, like, Willie you mean Beeman... he's a worse teammate? No. Redeems himself, but it takes his car getting sawed in half by Lawrence Taylor. Shark LeVay, yeah. you could say LL Cool J is a worse teammate because he doesn't block. Well, he's a bad teammate, too, Andy but he also beats up selfish. Jamie Foxx in the shower. Who's being a worse teammate than he is at the time. Fuck, Latimer throws an alligator in the shower. Well, which brings me to number four. Andrew Broniarski is Steve Latimer in the program. When your college is embroiled in controversy, the last thing you need is the resident roidhead to physically assault a co-head. Worse, then he gets off the juice and he can't tackle anymore. 
You can go fuck yourself. He's not even <laughs> close to the worst teammate in that movie. He's a terrible teammate. He juiced and worked himself up from a special teams player to a defensive starter. He's a paper lion. You piece of shit. He was great. The worst teammate in that movie is Ray Griffith. Griffith He's not a great Griffin. teammate Griffith. either. Well, I don't he know. He misses the block on purpose. Well, Omar Epps steals his girlfriend. He misses the block. Holly that's Berry. a bad teammate thing. That's a that's a serious code violation of locker room etiquette. Don't introduce yourself as starting tell back to the guy that's going to take your job. Then he's going to steal your girl. Did you say yo girl? Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, Latimer, not Mr. a good teammate. steal yo girl. Last. No, now, disagree. I think, I think this guy legitimately is an awful teammate. Billy Blanks is Billy Cole in The Last Boy Scout. Suffice to say, it's not a great day when your teammate murders a bunch of people on national television. If you've never seen The Last Boy Scout, it opens with Billy Blanks, the master of Tybo, running down the field, pulling out a pistol, and just starting to execute DBs that are in his way. So where does Jack Parkman rank? Now, remember, Jack Parkman gives Jake Taylor that's a lot a of shit teammate. throughout the movie. Well, debatable, yeah, because let's say you play that team in the playoffs, half their starting defense is dead. Yeah. Like, that... Our definitions of good run, and bad teammates are just... Completely, completely. I don't know. Murder on Friday Night Football is it's not good. Last Boy Scout, great movie, written by Shane Black. How about uh, Anthony Hardaway in Blue Chips where he just goes home? Was that Penny? Doesn't he just go home? He's like homesick? Yeah, Butch. I think Butch just leaves. Every teammate in Blue Chips is a bad teammate, except for Shaq. Like Everybody in that movie's on the take. Yeah, isn't the country kid a snitch? Yeah. Big country's a snitch. He like asked for a bag of money on his doorstep. Yeah, that kid's a piece of trash. Yeah. Everybody in that film is a bad teammate. Including the basketball that Nick Nolte punts into the stands. Oh, dude. Dude. You're okay, number one has to be Remember the Titans, the racist kid. Who, Bertro? You mean first of all, Bertier. Bertier. He's not racist. Initially. Did he, he start is. racist? No, but like the racist kid on the bus. Initially, you oh, know yeah, this yeah. actor. He looks like he's 40, but he refuses to sit with the black players, and even his dad's racist, and finally I, he just quits the team. But he's Bertier's friend, but he won't quit with yeah, him. Yeah, I've been... It's been too long that since That kid's saw the worst. That. He's a bad teammate. But, I mean, Billy Blanks literally commits murder. Yeah, but he also does Tybo. He also does Tybo. He's also in a movie with Roddy Piper that I used to love renting from my local grocery store. It's called Back in Action. It's not good. It's not great. So I would rank Jack Parkman actually below Billy Cole from The Last Boy Scout. Because Jack Parkman is such a toxic teammate. He hates everybody on the team. He's all about himself. And he literally forces himself out of town and then plays for the rival team. Also, zero chance they trade him to the White Sox. They would never trade him to a team they're gonna, they have a potential of playing in the playoffs. I mean, I know it makes sense for the movie plot, but it's not going to happen. Jack Parkman smokes in the dugout. He constantly makes fun of Jake Taylor's bad knees. I'm not a fan of making fun of people's bad knees. Correct. I'm also against that. Uh, he's awful. He's the worst. He's always razzing poor Rick Vaughn, who's clearly going through a mental crisis. I don't know, man. Not a good teammate. I think you should have uh, let, let me do this scale. Your scale's terrible. Oh, these are legitimately not good guys oh, to play Oh, he committed with. homicide, so he's a bad teammate. Bullshit. He did steroids. He's a bad teammate. 
Yeah, he's a terrible teammate. You're full of shit. He tries to commit sexual assault and gets kicked off the team. He doesn't try to. Well, I'm pretty sure he. <laughs> he's a, he is assault. a bad teammate. Hey, no. Joe Kane's no uh, prize piece either. He has to go to rehab midseason. Joe Kane's uh, doing everything he can for that team. He's trying to get his edge back, a la Wild Thing. Also, Christy Swanson, another Christy Swanson movie, The Program. That film, we, we're we not even allowed to mention it on this podcast. You know, it's I thought about is. making the backup quarterback the bad teammate since he uses the coach's wife to take his test for him. Coach's daughter. Yeah, daughter. Coach's uh, wife. That's not a good move. Bobby? Yeah. Bobby Collins? And he's kind of an asshole. So he was close to being on the list, but... No way, dude. Backup quarterbacks are the glue guys. They keep the team together. The near assault is is not a good look for a, for a college that's already in trouble. How dare you put Latimer on the bad teammate list? You he's suck. Terrible teammate. So where where would you rank Parkman? I'm not using your scale. <laughs> in protest? I refuse to use your scale. One, the movie was good. Two, I'm protesting your scale. <laughs> so I'll take that. He's, he's a five. All right, now upgrade, downgrade. This is new. Uh, because Wesley Snipes, very famous actor at the time, replaced by a guy who's discernibly less famous than him in 1994. And was it an upgrade or a downgrade? And oh. then I have uh, an additional uh, series of people who were replaced. Cur- oh, so current filming year, 94, whenever this was, Yep, I'd say downgrade. Huge Wesley downgrade. Wesley Snipes, uber talented. So downgrade. But Omar Epps turned out to be pretty Solid actor. Omar Epps had a decent career, but I think given how iconic Willie Mays Hayes as a character was, it's going to be a downgrade no matter who it was. Yeah, it's hard to step in and just be someone else. Yeah, it just it doesn't work. And I think whenever you have a sequel and you immediately lose one of the bigger stars, it's just time to say we're not going to do it. Especially someone that's like super charismatic. It'd be like if they did, um, if someone tried to replace Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop 3. Like you just can't. You can't. Do, it's like, oh, person. we'll get, we'll get Mike Apps. It's like, well, no, he's not funnier than Eddie Murphy, and he's not as famous either. Yeah, it's a tough spot to be in. Which, I'd like, say... when he replaced Chris Tucker, right? He's a different character in Next Friday, but he the movie's noticeably worse without Chris Tucker. Yeah. It's much. It's not a funny. Like I actually really like Mike Epps. He's just not as funny in that movie, in that sequel. Like it's it's a much worse movie. Yeah, so, yeah, Wesley Snipes. Yeah, so, like, for example, like, an upgrade would be, like, yeah, we're losing Will Smith, but we're getting Idris Elba as Deadshot. I think that's an upgrade. Wow, controversial statement. I just, Will Smith hasn't really done anything good in a while. I did like Concussion, but it's not a great movie. I I just think the story is important. Well, in his personal life, being a Scientologist, he's probably done a ton of good, so he doesn't need to on the screen. Well, he's done good that I'll never see or know of. Yeah, because he's the only guy that can really help people. Correct. You got nothing on him. All right. So here's some other upgrade downgrades. Julianne Moore replacing Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling in Hannibal. Downgrade. A huge downgrade. Her southern accent is abysmal. Correct. Now, Jodie Foster had always said she was going to come back. But here's the reason. I never knew why she didn't. I thought she thought the ending was too dark. Uh, but it turns out the book, Hannibal, which I've never read, climaxes with Hannibal Lecter and Clarice becoming lovers, and she thought that was a betrayal of the character. So even though they retooled the ending, she's like, you know what, I'm over it, I'm not coming back. Wait, for the one that um, Julianne Moore was in, that was supposed to end with them banging? Becoming lovers, yeah. So 
yeah, she falls for Hannibal Lecter, which I agree. I think that totally betrays who that character is. So like in that dinner scene, they just, they start banging? When he's cutting Ray Liotta's head open? It's not 50 shades of gray. It's not 50 shades of Lecter. No, they just like wind up together. Where he eats Ray Liotta's brain, yeah. I I always thought... Fifty that Shades she of Grey had, Matter. She had left because of that scene. Like she thought that was a bridge too far. But no, I found that out. So she said, "I don't want to be in this movie unless I can fuck Anthony Hopkins." No, she didn't want to. She thought it betrayed who the character was. Like, why would she fall in love with Hannibal Lecter? She knows he's a sicko. So in the book, she, she's an FBI profiler. So who is she to say that th- uh, this made-up character in the book is doing things wrong? Well, it's artistic integrity. I think. She has a valid point. I what, think that's what a, are you talking about? <laughs> I, I think it's a stupid turn for a character. What are you talking about? But that's the a, book was written I mean, way good, before she played this character. Well, good for I mean, good for the author. It's not like that's she's saying this was adapted it, to the, for the screen, and I don't like how it was adapted. She's saying the source material's stupid. Well, she's entitled to her opinion. Yeah, but didn't she read it before she did the movie? Well, no, she didn't do Hannibal. The reason she didn't come back for the sequel is because in the book Hannibal, they decide like, oh, she's going to fall in love with him. Was Hannibal it, written written after the movie Silence of the Lambs was already made or had it already been written? Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I think it might have come after. Who knows? <laughs> I'd have to look. But I mean, it is. It's a stupid turn for a character. Okay, that's fair. It's like, oh, well, we know that you understand how awful and disgusting this man is. But after he escapes, you guys will abscond to Hawaii together. It's like, no. Because it's like only only assholes wind up marrying serial killers while they're in prison. Like, uh, okay, they're I, actually sick individuals. I totally get themselves. it. So if Hannibal was not written until after Silence of the Lambs, and then she saw that script and went, "Oh, this is stupid. They shouldn't get together." Hundred percent on her side. We'd have to look at that. But, but I, th- I, I would agree. I would not. I would say, you know what? We're not going to catch lightning in a bottle twice for one thing, because uh, Hannibal is a really it's a, it's an awful sequel. Uh, Red Dragon, actually pretty good. You didn't like Hannibal? No, Hannibal's terrible. It's almost unwatchable. It's fantastic. I saw it in theaters, and I remember leaving the theater. to the kid on the airplane? And I was having a conversation with an elderly woman, and I was like expressing just how disappointed I was in that film, considering how good Silence of the Lambs was. That dude's face that he cuts up with the glass because he does LSD and Hannibal convinces him to? Yeah, you're not going to turn me around on Hannibal. I'm never going to see it again. It was terrible. Let's watch it together. No, I'll watch Red Dragon or Silence of the Lambs. I'd even watch I'd even watch Manhunter, which was Red Dragon. The original Red with, Dragon. With uh, the CSI guy. And Tom Noonan. The axe murderer? Yep. yep. All right. Don Cheadle replacing Terrence Howard as Colonel James Rhodes, a.k.a. War Machine, upgrade or downgrade? Uh, neutral, who gives a fuck? I'm all upgrade. Everything Don Cheadle touches turns gold. So it tur- And uh, Terrence Howard, on his d- departure from Iron Man, turns out the person I helped become Iron Man, when it was time to re-up for the second one, he took the money that was supposed to go to me and pushed me out. And that's why he was replaced, apparently. Hmm. Now, I don't know how much, how much stock you can put into that. Interesting. Maggie Gyllenhaal replaces Katie Holmes as Rachel Dawes in The Dark Knight. Upgrade or downgrade? Major downgrade. Your sister hates her. Uh, she doesn't like her. Actually, I don't know. I don't think Katie Holmes like did much for me, but it was a very noticeable change. I know that doesn't answer your question, but it was, to me, it was noticeable. It was just noticeable. 
Uh, I but think she dies in the second one, so who cares? I think it's a wash. Spoilers for the Dark Knight. Mainly because I don't think I know like he's in love with Rachel in Batman Begins, but she to me wasn't a very important character. I didn't think she had a lot to do in that movie. So in the second movie, when she much has more, more to do in the second movie, yeah, I think it's fine. It didn't bother me, so I'd say upgrade. Yeah. And lastly, yeah. and I know they're different characters, and I don't care because they're playing the exact same person. Ooh, okay. Jason Patrick replaces Keanu Reeves in Speed Two: Cruise Control. The biggest downgrade. Such a downgrade. Oh, it's a ridiculous downgrade. Here's but okay. Bateman replaces Michael J. Fox in Teen Wolf Two. Upgrade or downgrade? That's a downgrade. No, strong yeah. disagree. Michael J. Fox, like the one of the bigger stars in. Yeah, no, the not saying he's not a great star. I'm just saying I loved Bateman in that role. But that movie's also stupid. You know, a guy crushes okay. a golf ball in both, his hand in that. Both movie. movies are stupid. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. for me to argue like, the legitimacy of that a movie of a teenager becoming a werewolf. But I feel is, like at that time, Bateman plays a better like uh, stupid comedy actor. I don't know. It's a downgrade for me. I'm going downgrade. Uh, Jason Patrick is maybe the. It's one. It doesn't help that the movie is awful, and that's sort of the reason Keanu Reeves passed on it. He said, he told Jimmy Kimmel, I read the script and I was like, uh, it was about a cruise ship. And I was thinking a cruise ship is even slower than a bus. And I was like, I love you guys, but I just can't do this. Yeah, that's fair. Keanu Reeves is the man. Okay. Here's one. Uh, I don't have any of this written out, but one that comes to mind immediately. Kickboxer Van Damme replaced by Cody from Step by Step. Sasha Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that's a downgrade. <laughs> All right. Sasha um, Mitchell later got arrested for domestic abuse. So, oh shit. Yeah. Um, downgrade, for okay. sure. Fair enough. Let's see. I feel like Michael Jai White replaced Wesley Snipes in a movie. I wasn't there a boxing movie in prison. Well. N- yeah, but that was like, oh, that was Undisputed, right? Was Wesley Snipes in Undisputed? Who's the main character in Undisputed? I think that was Wesley Snipes and Ving Rhames. And then Undisputed 2 is Michael Jai White, right? Yeah, but he's the bad guy, I think. Really? Maybe he's not. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not diving that deep into the DVD bargain bin to see Undisputed 2. <laughs> well, I did see Undisputed. You're, Thunder, you're on the wrong fucking podcast, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's like six Undisputeds at this point. Yeah, you think it'd be like, all right, we figured it out. This guy's the prison champion. Have they remade Spawn? Uh, no, but uh, Todd McFarlane is currently, I believe, prepping it. He's he's doing he's directing it himself. Who's going to replace Michael J. White? Uh, he, I, I can't imagine he's got a lot of money for this. I think he's fronting it all himself. So, not anybody super famous. Good. Who, oh, I, I thought Jamie Foxx was going to do it. Well, so I'm wrong. Uh, can we just agree that famous. Jamie Foxx is like the most talented dude ever? There's like nothing he, he can't do. Act, sing. You've seen him do impressions on like uh, Fallon? He's a very talented guy. He's insanely talented. I uh, feel like you don't like Jamie Foxx. Didn't he have... He, he, she gave him money. He's on a bit of a downturn. Let's put need. it that way. He's on a bit of a what? Downturn. Uh, no, no one can... Not everybody's Tom Cruise. Like you can't just keep... Yeah, you true. Know, dulling out the hits in your 50s, but I don't know. As far as talent goes, yeah, he's to, a talented guy. Hard to I mean, tell. He's, me. he's had a very good career. He's so done a lot of different things. He's been 
I mean, he can be a comedic actor. He can be a dramatic actor. He, he's he got a good physicality to him. But, man, I'll never forget how awful he was in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 as Electro. See, you get – actors get sullied for you for roles they're put into. That's not their fault. It's not like he wasn't committed to that. No. I mean, it's just dog shit role he was in. It'd be like you not liking Giamatti because of the rhino. No, but G- – yeah, but Giamatti's also in one of my favorite movies ever, Sideways, so I love that movie. And that's why I forgive Thomas Hayden Church for Sandman, so. Unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I could forgive Jamie Foxx, because I do love Any Given Sunday. Ray's obviously a fantastic movie. Um, that one with him and uh, Robert Downey Jr., the soloist, I think it is, where he's like the uh, homeless. Where he's, he's the homeless guy that musician. musically inclined. I, I never was, saw it, so I, I heard bad solid. things. No, I heard it was very Oscar bait movie, essentially. But as far as like being a talented actor, he pulled that off. What about that movie he did with Gerard Butler, where Gerard Butler's murdering people from prison? Ooh, this will bring it what full was circle. That called? Oh, um, law uh, abiding citizen. Law abiding citizen. Okay, if that's bad, which it's not, then that's a guilty pleasure for me. I've probably seen oh, that, that movie five reviews. times. Have you seen it? Uh, I did. It's w- not bad. Way back, it's well. It's Uber. I don't think it was as bad as the reviews made it out to be. Fuck no. Okay, but Here. the reviewers really turned against Gerard Butler at some point. Like Full he circle. is everybody's favorite punching bag. My favorite Jamie Foxx movie has Jason Bateman in it. Guess what it is? Has Jason Bateman in it? Yeah. This is a good one. I don't know what. The Kingdom. Oh, that is a good movie. Yeah, a really good movie. Uh, that's with Jennifer Garner. Peter Berg directed it, right? Yeah, and that is my recommendations. Okay, wrap it up. All right, so actually we'll come back. We'll do recommendations. I have one that I I, uh, watch. We'll see if uh, Irate Lover, a.k.a. Black Hammer, followed through with his uh, agreement to watch Triple Frontier. We'll be right back. So we're back with our final segment of this week's Hops and Box Office Flops. Be sure to check out our Twitter at Hops and B.O. Flops. I'm going to put together another wrestling uh, film poll because WrestleMania is April 7th. That's this upcoming Sunday. Uh, this should air before then. So I'll put together another poll. Obviously, Ready to Rumble won't be on this one. And we'll see what comes out on top. I'll keep the movies a secret for now. And then we're getting into a football poll. At some so point, just I'm a just going things to look forward to. I'm just going to pick a movie because I've liked most of the movies you've made me watch well that's sort of the point like yeah these movies don't make a whole lot of money and most of them get terrible reviews but they're worth seeing for the most part and i think that's sort of the fun of it i I mean this movie i don't think is particularly great but you could see it it's not going to ruin your night at some point i just want you to make me watch it just the worst movie oh i can do that okay but like not Uh, one that's super mainstream like not the room or something everybody's or troll 2 which you made me watch but Something that's just horrible that I haven't seen. Yeah. No, I can easily do that. I can figure something out for the wrestling poll for pizza. I mean, like the football poll, I was thinking about putting Johnny Be Good on there, and I'm sure you haven't seen that. No idea what that is. It's uh, a movie where uh, Anthony Michael Hall, the nerd from 16 Candles and the Breakfast Club, plays the jock. (laughs) And he gets a football scholarship. It's terrible. Uma Thurman's in it. Robert Downey Jr. Not a good movie. So that's definitely going to be on the football poll. But it's a you know it's a piece of '80s cinema. So, anyways, recommendations. Mm. What do you got? 
I've got another Netflix movie. And what did you think of Triple Frontier? So recommendations, if you have HBO, The Case Against Adnan Syed, watch all four parts. Uh, if you haven't listened to Serial, listen to it. Then listen to all the Undisclosed podcast. Uh, Robbie Chowdhury, Susan Simpson, and Colin. I forget Samson Simpson. Name. I think those are their names. They have they actually dive into it. There are three attorneys. Um, Robbie obviously uh, knows Adnan, but they. She's his cousin, right? I think her brother was his best friend. Oh, okay. I don't know if they're actually related, but they go into the real, real deep dive legal issues, and it's just fascinating how much stuff Serial missed and left out. And then um, become a Patreon supporter of them to give some money to uh, Adnan's legal fund since they just fucking overturned a, a, an appeal for Adnan, which should have stayed, and now they have to do some more legal maneuvering to see if they can get him out. So strong recommendation there. Okay. So, oh, no, triple, triple frontier. frontier. Now you want? Yes, I did watch it. Don't don't. Uh, no spoilers yet. We can spoil it next week. We can get into some of the issues I had with it, even though I did like it. Oh, nonsense. So we're gonna spoil it. So here's your <laughs> fair warning. All right, here's your warning. If you haven't seen Triple Frontier yet, well, maybe. All right, let me give my recommendation, then we'll hit Triple Frontier. Fine. Since that's a spoiler, uh, so I watched Highwaymen which is about the two ex-Texas Rangers who hunted down Bonnie and Clyde in 1934, starring Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner. It's a great period piece and a very interesting look into mid-Depression America and sort of the obsession with celebrity, even in the 1930s, that people had, like how they romanticized Bonnie and Clyde, how people like loved these two outlaws who were committing horrible acts of violence and murdering police officers and actual citizens. And yet they were celebrated. And what's interesting about it, because I did a lot of research, sort not a lot, but I, I looked into it after I watched the film, was that the papers, in order to sell papers because it was the Depression, they would just write stories about Bonnie and Clyde. So they became like mythic folk heroes, like modern day Robin Hoods. And so... Uh, when they died, uh, they show this scene in the film. It's not a spoiler to know that Bonnie and Clyde are murdered uh, because they had to be put down, as, as the movie so eloquently puts it. Uh, thousands of people show up in this town that they're being taken through, just trying to get a glimpse of them, trying to get a piece of them, because it's like, you know, like the, their heroes have been killed. Like 18,000 people showed up to Bonnie's funeral in Dallas, Texas. 15,000 people showed up to Clyde's funeral. It's it's almost absurd, like, uh, what they became in the minds of the people because they were sticking it to the man. You know, the banks had failed all these people. You know, people were dead broke. And they looked at them as, like, being the good guys. But really, you know, they were horrible, violent offenders. And I, I thought it was a great movie. It's very it's very slow played. Uh, two really terrific performances by two actors who've been doing it a very long time. I could not recommend that movie enough. I loved it. Highwaymen on Netflix. Yeah, I saw it. F it was like one of the first advertised movies like two days ago. I was thinking about watching it, so I'll give it a shot. I really enjoyed it. So now Triple Frontier, if you haven't seen it, uh, we're going to spoil it. Uh, what did you think? Uh, you liked it, kind of. I, did. I my, did, but I do cousin, have I a huge issue with it. it. I uh, did not. So this, like some of the actors... It seemed pretty straightforward, 
the writing was okay, like the dialogue and all that stuff. Nothing was like super corny or cheesy, but yeah, I didn't. Um, uh, there was some some cool stuff, like how the money was in the walls. Is it the house was the safe? The house was basically built by money. I thought that was cool, but like the whole Ben Affleck's like uh, the captain of uh, an elite special forces team. I think they were just army. Not just. I don't mean to be. They were like rangers. They were rangers. They were special forces. All right. So they were rangers, and he just gets greedy, and that's the reason. That was the plot breaking moment for me because he has a hard stop. He's never broken a hard stop, and all of a sudden he's like digging through the wall, and they're like, "Hey, we gotta go." And he's like, "No, no, I built in a fifteen minute cushion." It's like, no, these guys are the best of the best, and half the movie they're making just really stupid decisions, so they stay too long. So then the family sees them. Uh, then they have too much weight. That was the part that killed. It just it breaks the movie. I didn't understand the math. They had like $250 million. And all they had to do was drop like 50 Now, there's five guys. Like, he, you he, can live with $40 million. And when they were talking, though, he made it seem like, because he said, I think I heard the line, you want to leave $200 million on the runway? No, I think he, I think he, $50 million. You want to just 50 leave $50 million sitting here on the runway. It's like, well, it's either that or death. Because so here's yes. the thing. If you have $250 million and $200 million you need to leave there, I kind of get it. But if it's $50 million you're leaving there, just fucking leave it. Even if it's $200 and you're each going to make $10 million, it's like you're never going to spend that money. Yeah, and I didn't know. Just take the money. Like, I didn't realize, like, how far away they were from the water, but can you imagine hiking with that much weight over those mountains? Could you imagine hiking with big Ben Affleck's corpse in a bag? (laughs) And one of them was shot. See, that's where the movie brought me back in, because the brotherhood of these guys, and when he bites it, and he's the guy with the most to lose, it just, like, broke me up. Did Affleck write that movie? No, I believe the director, J.C. Shandor, wrote it and directed it. He did All is Lost, which is a great movie, but it's very... You have to be into watching a guy literally just acting by himself because it's Robert Redford on a sailboat in the midst of a storm. And he also did A Most Violent Year, which is really good if you haven't seen that. So did they... um, Well, there's definitely going to be a sequel because he gives them the... Gives them the coordinates. Latitude, longitude, yeah, yeah, where the... So, I mean... I, it just really hit me hard when he turns around and he gets plugged by that guy. And you're just like, oh, well, suddenly, like, this goes from being just a botched thing to, like, something that has just a, con- a lasting consequence that's just not going to go it away. It took me forever to figure out where I knew the pilot from, the helicopter pilot. Pedro Pascal? Yeah. What What did you know him he's, from? He's the Red Viper of Dorne. Yeah, from Game of Thrones. Yeah. But he's also, I mean, he's going to be in Wonder Woman 1984 and he's on Narcos. Yeah, no, but I, I knew him as a guy at Game of Thrones. I yeah, he's the Red Viper. Because he wasn't speaking with that weird accent. He, uh, I mean, the cast, I thought, did a really great job. Oh, yeah, uh, the acting was fine. Again, the only thing that bothered me was like, well, if he told you you can't make it over the fucking mountains, then, then leave the And then the your money. helicopter crashes because you don't make it over the mountains, that, but, you that all deserve me. to die. Yeah, it bugged <laughs> me so much because they literally say it two different times. Like, we don't need this much. It's like, oh, we can't just leave it. It's like, yes, you can. Like, do you understand the the difference between fifty million and forty million? Is not it's not going to really have that big of an effect on your life. They would have been fine. See, I yeah, I guess I didn't pay enough attention. I thought he said, "Are we really going to leave two hundred million dollars on the runway?" If he just said, "If we're going to leave fifty million on the runway, yeah, of course you are. That's a no brainer." Yeah, and then of course, like they're burning money in the middle of the wilderness. It's like you guys are trying to be 
inconspicuous. Like maybe not start a And that's what flutter. got him killed, right? Well, that's the kid, how the kid the kid was him. tracking him, yeah. which I also like. These guys are ex special forces guys. They would have known somebody was on their trail. They would have snuffed that kid out. You ghost me again, motherfucker. I'm gonna bleed I'm you. I'm gonna bleed you real yeah. quiet. But who knows? Like they did. They did have donkeys and shit. I mean, yeah, uh, they probably weren't really. I I really enjoyed it. I think it has some great action set pieces. I I love how it's shot. Oh, don't get me wrong. Cinematography is on point. It's worth watching, but like. You really do have to get past that like reality breaking moment where these guys who are seemingly intelligent people just continue to make awful decisions. Yeah, and you can't um, just account that all the greed. Like that being the big the big turning point for them just pissed me off. Yeah, and it, and it's like that's the end. So so easily avoidable. It should have been something else, something like out of their control because that was so easily avoidable. Exactly. Like you know because you have that moment like Charlie Hunnam gets shot in the house. But he's fine, so that ends up not mattering at all. You know? Yeah, and now it's just like... That had to be like the, the game-changing moment, but I guess you can't murder one of the big stars right at that point. Like, because I didn't... Like, when Ben Affleck died, I was like, well, yeah, this makes sense. It's all his fault. Yeah. Like, if, if it was something external and he got shot, I would have been way more attached to the character. But I'm just like, dude, this is all your fault. You're a fucking greedy... You're just an idiot. Yeah, no, they make really dumb decisions. Yeah. All right, so that Worth about, a watch. Uh, yeah. wraps us up. Highwaymen was my uh, recommendation. The Truth or The Case Against Adnan Syed on HBO. Watch all four parts. Yep, and uh, and again, watch. give tri- Triple Frontier a watch. Just uh, check it out. If you agree or disagree, hit me up on the Twitter, at Hops and B.O. Flops or at Writer TLK. Again, leave us some reviews. I'm going to read. Uh, we got a couple reviews, and I'm going to read them on next week's pod. So if you would be so kind, leave us some reviews on whatever uh, app you stream on and uh, let us know what movies you'd like us to cover, ideas for segments. We've actually, we actually talked about some new ideas for some segments. We might give a test run next week on our revisit to a wrestling, not a wrestling film per se, but a film starring a wrestler. You better vote for Suburban Commando. That is all. See you next week. Again, I would like to discourage anyone from leaving a review. Or rating don't, don't it, listen to him. Or subscribing. I would like to protect our anonymity. Thank you. Don't listen to him. Don't we'll see subscribe. you next time. <laughs>